Data Stories is supported by Tableau Software, helping people see and understand their data. Get answers from interactive dashboards wherever you go. For your free trial, visit Tableau Software at tableau.com slash data stories. That's T-A-B-L-E-A-U dot com slash data stories. Hey everyone, Data Stories 53. 53. Hi, Enrico. 53. <laughs> good number. Yeah. How you doing, man? Good, good. Yeah? Spring yeah. is here. No, still. Still. Not going away. <laughs> no, yeah? not going away. It's been yeah. crazy so far. Yeah. Yeah. I just came back from Resonate Festival in Belgrade. So oh. I was there for a full week. That was good. Yeah. Um, I did the Insect Smarts workshop again. Oh, <laughs> how was at, it? Yeah, yeah. yeah, it was good. We looked at swarm behavior and collective intelligence, things like this. And uh, Dominicos and I, we brought a few processing sketches and oh, people could cool. mo modify them and we would talk about the principles behind them. And But then also how you can use these principles to, I don't know, make cooler graphics, I guess. Yeah. So that was nice. I was bedroomed. Uh, very good. It's a great town. It's very rough, but also very, like lots of emerging stuff. And the festival is good too. It's a good conference. Um, Jeff Thorpe once said it's the, the sexy European cousin of IO festival. Uh -huh. <laughs> I yeah. think that's totally true. <laughs> yeah, it was good stuff. Lots of partying too. So now I have to, oh, nice. my, my voice has to recover and I have to catch up with projects. Oh, I think I saw a picture of you. <laughs> At uh, a rave you? party, yes. Ah, <laughs> Somebody sent, to sent it to me. <laughs> yeah. I cannot say the rest. <laughs> <laughs> what happens in Belgrade stays Whatever in Belgrade. happened stays in Belgrade. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Anyways, so we have a special guest today, as usual. And this time it's Benedict Gross. Hi, Benedict. Hi, Benedict. Hi, everyone. Hi there. Hey. How are you doing? Good, good. Yeah. I mean... Yeah, I'm Things quite excited right. to be in the talk. <laughs> Excellent. Can you tell us a bit about yourself? People might not know who you are. So what are you doing? Uh, actually, you? Uh, a lot of things. I think yeah. I'm kind of in between a lot of things. But I mean, basically, normally my work involves somehow data, computational design, and, and also often speculative design. And so it's kind of hard to define as well for me. It's quite fuzzy still. And I'm kind of often struggle to define that. Uh, besides that, I'm, I'm running a little studio in Stuttgart, um, also for that kind of work and a bit of teaching. And then I'm also a research associate at the upcoming Movil Lab, which kind of deals with the future of mobility maps and also data. Mm -hmm. and, so and where is that located? That is uh, also located in uh, in Stuttgart, mm, but nice. they, I mean, the Movil or the, the the most kind of known product is uh, Car2Go and so on, and they operate on on two continents and like thirty cities and so on. Mm -hmm. It's quite it's quite quite big in a way. Great, so, sounds like a great great initiative, and it fits well because we just had a, an episode with Dietmar Offen who were talking about smart cities oh, yeah. and oh, so on yeah. so that's a that's sure. a great match there yeah sure yeah. now it's a, it's a nice balance between like uh, industry projects and my own projects and a bit of teaching yeah. and everything yeah and you have that art science design borderline <laughs> syndrome everything. thing going on anyways <laughs> yeah so i think on my radar you popped up with the uh, generative gestaltung book generative design book Six, seven years ago. Mm. 
quite old now. Yeah, yeah. But it's a great book for, um, so if you're into learning processing and generally doing interesting graphics through computation, I think it's a great book still. And it's pretty much still valid, right? Or would you say, would you call it outdated, your own book? No, you wouldn't. But <laughs> Of course. <laughs> I wouldn't do that. By the day um, it's no, I mean, it's outdated. No, but it, it, I think it's, the, the principles are so universal, they, they will be, you know, this will be like up to date in 10 years still, so. Yeah, I mean, it took us quite some time to to put that content in that specific way together. So, yeah. I mean, the the idea is basically to have a programming book, but also like a program programming book, uh, a, a book which deals more with uh, kind of the principles of of generative or design or computational design. Right. Um, yeah, and also it's a it's a collaboration. So, I mean, it's not just my book; it's also with uh, with Julia from Onformative and and Hartmut and Claudius and so on. So, so we we had quite quite a bit of brain power <laughs> <laughs> behind that. Yeah, yeah. And it. Yeah, I think it sort of came out of your diploma thesis in at at HFG Is that right? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, but, I mean, that was in two thousand seven, and back in back in back back then there was not that much around there was just the, the processing book by casey Rees and, and and a few other books but but more than from what they were from the math sites um or from yeah or from the programming side of side of things and um yeah so uh, so then the diploma was in a collaboration between uh julia and myself and yeah it was kind of the the blueprint or the first iteration of that book and uh, yeah, we spent then um, kind of an entire semester on it, and and, and also diploma semester. And yeah, back then we had the diploma. Um, yeah, and then it took us one and a half years part time to kind of to to come to a phase which was then publishable. Wow. Yeah. And yeah. it's four or five people actually involved. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, you can people. see the effort that went into that. Yeah. Yeah, when we when we had this when we had with our publisher the, the meeting kind of where we signed the contract, uh uh how much uh, how much in 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 mines, they said like, Yeah, guys, now imagine how much work it will be. And we were like, Yes, and now multiply it by three. <laughs> we were like oh no guys <laughs> it's a bummer yeah yeah, yeah it was yeah it's hard so Benedict, but it's nice can, because yeah, oh, sorry. sorry sorry for interrupting uh, can you describe generative design in a few words just i'm just wondering maybe some of our listeners don't know exactly what it is I mean, I think there are many many definitions i think it's basically um cr- creating uh, things often visual things like images uh, with code um so I, I would say it's kind of straightforward some people design with uh, pencil or with photoshop or whatever and others then with code um and of course it has advantages and disadvantages uh, yeah of course yeah yeah uh, I mean, my definition is is often just like uh, computational design is um, when when you wouldn't be able to do it manually by hand, mm-hmm, kind mm-hmm, of. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's 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 a super nice. I mean, they're interesting. Impl- and, yeah. 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 I mean, they're interesting implications, of course, because then uh, once you accept that you design or sketch everything with code, then 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 in between your idea and the and the actual outcome there is this 
this additional layer mm. or this kind of additional thing kind of first you have to be able as a designer to kind of translate your idea or your algorithm or whatever in, in into into code and then and then you you are kind of in an abstract form uh, with parameters or with a system and then you have to be able to kind of write it into a computer in, in a computer language uh, and then at the very end you have your uh, your piece or your your visual output which is obviously quite different from something very direct like uh, like working with a with a pencil yeah of course yeah and i mean as we are data visualization podcast there's lots of overlap so maybe from yeah. this end data visualization might be a subfield of generative design if you, if you see it that wide um but i think i the, think yeah well, i guess the main difference is simply that in generative design you don't need to be able to trace back like what the initial data conditions were that led to a certain visual so it doesn't have to be that readable um yeah i, I think in a way you could say computational design is maybe just a vehicle to 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 create data visualizations yeah or I mean, all other kinds of things like buildings or uh, yeah buildings or whatever animations to sell cars or things like that <laughs> yeah. yeah i mean i think there are exceptions uh, whatever for instance uh stephanie Poshavek. I mean, she is she is crazy. I mean, she does things which manually, hmm. often manually, <laughs> which I which I would consider like generative kind of, design. I mean, yeah. for yeah, generated design. I mean, that's even, the thing. <laughs> so it's, it is done by hand. Have you seen the dear data uh, postcard yeah. exchange? So that's generative oh, design, that's but it's done by hand. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, we should we should have them on. We should have. Well. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. 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 Anyhow, um, so that's so 2009. Um, <laughs> then um, you you went to RCA in the Design Interactions program, which is like mm. real hardcore art program. Actually, uh, I found that really cool that you would would do that because you have sort of came from this applied uh, design school in Schwäbischgmünd, and you did a few really nice projects there. Do, do you want to tell us a bit about what what you did there and? Yeah, I mean, I yeah, exactly. I mean, my my background was pretty much in in, in industry as an as an interaction designer and user experience designer, but with this kind of love for computational design. Right. And so it was already kind of weird for me. You know, I was in industry, but then I was like also keen on the on the computational design side for for the aesthetic sake sake of things. And uh, yeah, and then I I decided I really should try to open up my scope uh, and and see what kind of else is around there and i i quite like the 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 rca program um the design interaction program because it it's kind of i mean yes it's a lot of art but also it it tries really to to look into technologies from from many ways and also this kind of notion um of of specula of speculative design so that you kind of come up with scenarios which which kind of try to make technology debatable and maybe even sketch out a bit alternative ways or alternative paths in, into the future i i I've, i was quite intrigued by that and uh, i had a, a tough time there because i mean with my applied background it was it was really tough at the beginning but but then after a while, I, I kind of just ac accepted all those influences and also the, the great diversity of, of design in a way. And I think uh, that helped then really to kind of to redefine maybe 
myself a bit. <laughs> yeah, I think it's a great program and many listeners might not be familiar, but um, unfortunately, Dan and Draby, who ran the program now for almost 10 years, mm -hmm. I guess, they just retired. But I think it has been super influential and the approach is quite unique. So in the, maybe the basic idea is instead of designing for needs today, as you would learn at a normal design school, at this program, you basically design things for the near or intermediate future, um, but very concrete pieces, more or less, that would sort mm. of play with future scenarios and what the role of technology might be in a few years ahead. Mm. And, and yeah. they're super okay. nice. Very, it's always a bit cynical, critical, dark, but also whimsical often what comes out of these investigations. Mm -hmm. And it's it's just, it's, it's been a crazy program. <laughs> so it's worth to go on the website and just browse through the past years, like uh, the, the projects that were done there. Yeah. And one of the projects you did in this context was the Atlas of LA Pools. It was mm -hmm. quite a quite a long investigation in a, in a seemingly mundane topic. <laughs> so, <laughs> Absolutely. So, how did that happen? <laughs> I mean, basically, uh, it actually happened also during an excursion. So there's, uh, there's this tradition that, uh, like, uh, that the first year always goes to an or it goes to an excursion um and our excursion was to california and when i was like flying into la so the first stop was in la i saw all those kind of silly and swimming pools uh, from the plane and and that made me really wonder you know is that not a bit odd i mean i, I was is this not supposed to be the desert and a very dry landscape and uh yeah as i'm a very tidy designer of course coming from germany um <laughs> i i noted down this question in my notebook uh, how many swimming pools are in la and uh, yeah and that as a potential kind of interesting um question and then it's a good question yeah. it's a good question yeah <laughs> and then um And then kind of six months, nothing happened. Uh, but then I was, uh, at that time, I did uh, an internship at MIT's and the City Lab. And I've met there Joey Lee. Uh, the project is a collaboration with him, with, with Joey. And uh, we had like a lunch conversation and I've told him this question. And uh, he's, he's, he's coming from LA or he, he spent quite some time in LA. Uh, and he was immediately intrigued in, uh, in that question. And, um, he said, like, you know, uh, I have no idea, but let's check out whether there's a data set for that. And it turned out that there is not really a data set available for it. But then he managed to come up, uh, with, uh, with some high resolution satellite imagery for that. Uh, for that area, like really, really high resolution and also like with additional channels, not, not just RGB and so on. And back then, also it was harder to get this kind of data. And yeah, and then at the beginning, we were quite naive. We were, thought, we were thinking, you know, this will be a piece of cake, you know, with this satellite imagery <laughs> data set, we just detect all the blue colors, yeah. like you, you know, like, you know, from the magic wand tool in Photoshop. Yeah. And blob then detection. The, the blob detection. There, there you go. And then uh, you have it. <laughs> But of course... Reality <laughs> is tricky. <laughs> we, we ended up just with, with, with glitch, basically. You know, in, in, with this kind of simple detection, it's really hard to distinguish between a blue roof, a blue car, a blue everything. So, uh, but still, we're kind of really intrigued by that question. And 
and we, we didn't give up back then and uh, we had a hard time kind of to you know to think alternative ways of how to approach the thing and then we stumbled accidentally kind of um on on those services in india uh, clipping path services in india so yeah for the ones who are not familiar with that it's it's basically a service um for online shops so normally if you go to to amazon or any kind of online shop you 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 are you you find all the product pictures in front of a of a white background or like yeah a white background is, is most common and that these services in india they hey you send us their like product images and they kind of clip out or trace out the product uh, and kind of separate it nicely from from the background in a in, with a photoshop file so you get a photoshop file back with a with a clipping path mm, a vector in it which you then can use to kind of clip out the product from from the rest and that made us then wonder hmm maybe these guys can help us <laughs> and uh, <laughs> yeah and then we 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 kind of we started to experiment with with those services and uh, and kind of did variations in the instructions and and so on but basically we asked the people to to clip out in the satellite imagery the swimming pools and yeah and then after a few initial tests we received then this massive data set back with i think with 60 65 or something 68000 nicely clipped <laughs> bezier path and and then and then we were like we were just like this is this is crazy i mean in so many ways because we didn't pay a fortune for it so we had really a bad conscience like you know this is like this is crazy so yeah. then this made us really think like hey from from a from something cute like a like a swimming pool and hey suddenly you you end up at cheap labor exploitation in india <laughs> yeah. we were like yeah. okay this is interesting so, and yeah. you were in the middle of it basically <laughs> yeah and yeah. and then we we just decided that we really should try to push it as far as possible somehow kind of really now take this serious and mm -hmm. try to push it as hard as possible so and then you know that yeah sorry go ahead so Benedict, I'm just curious, uh, how how did you do it technically? So what did you send to the to the? So was that a crowdsourcing service or what? No, it's it's really. Um, it's a company. I mean, you just. It's there are many companies. I think oh, it's okay. there's even it's. I mean, if you it's if you go to probably, yeah. there's a whole industry actually. Okay. Um, and yeah, based, so I'm just curious yeah, to hear what do you send to them. And what did they return? In what kind of format? So that was the tricky bit. I think that is maybe also yeah. that was also the the, the 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 trick. So, so yeah, they just accept Photoshop files. Um, uh -huh. And so we had we first had to convert the the satellite imagery um, into Photoshop files, and then also kind of keep all the. Um, all the projections and kind of the georeferencing right. in uh, yeah, separately yeah. this this information yeah. and asked him not to kind of whatever scale or mm. or kind of crop the file and then they would they would kind of kind of trace all those um all those swimming pools um and then in photoshop you have then an additional vector layer and then i've written then a script which takes that uh, vector layer and <laughs> exports that <laughs> to uh, a, a JSON file and then 
uh, with an additional kind of tooling, you can then kind of <laughs> reference that back to actual latitude and longitude with right, the right projection. Right. Wow. Yeah. Uh, so it's yeah, it's not crazy fast as you can imagine. Photoshop <laughs> is not not supposed to <laughs> so, so, supposed to do that kind of thing. But it's surprising actually that that uh, what kind of stuff is possible with yeah. this with the scripting yeah. facilities in 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 the Adobe products. Wow. It's quite good, yeah. uh, or quite okay, <laughs> just okay, I would say, not good, but okay. Uh, yeah, and then uh, we we had this kind of vectors, then georeferenced uh, again, and then we applied a, quite a few GIS things like uh, you know does that make sense, and and we tried to eliminate uh, doubles and and these kind of things, but still. Still, it was then not kind of good enough because uh, we had like 60, 60 something thousand. Um, and the problem was that the people uh, in India were a bit over motivated. So they, they traced also like blue roofs sometimes mm. or blue other things. And also, to be fair, the resolution which we had in those images is not like the one... I think it was like one pixel a meter or something or yeah. a, a bit a bit better but mm -hmm. it's it's mm -hmm. um whatever if you go to Google Maps uh, and then you zoom whatever to zoom level 20 which is I think uh, the maximum zoom level currently Google has or or the other the other image providers um then you get a lot of we get a lot more resolution and yeah and again as we as we treated then the question serious we we um we thought that okay, we have to cross-check now all that things in the highest possible zoom level to validate whether it's really a swimming oh. pool or not. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so we did we did another <laughs> database, then and then and, and I love that. It's horrible. <laughs> yeah, it's super messy, but but interesting. We outsourced it again to this time. I mean, of course, we resubmit. So yeah, the first thing what we did I was I think it's like, a performance piece. Most it's a performance piece. It is. Yeah. Piece. That's my theory. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The the process is 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 was was. It's, it's really interesting. Yeah, so basically, Joey and mine, we myself, we checked it then manually. We kind of, you know, like in school, we we, we used then the pencil tool, you know, here are pockets, you missed that, uh, please go over it again. So we did that several <laughs> times, but then, but then, yeah, it was still not good enough. So we did then a database, then outsourced it to Amazon Mechanical Turk, where... Oh, yeah. People would get um, a snapshot of that location with the highest possible zoom level, which Bing provides, Bing Maps provides. And then people had to flag whether it's a swimming pool or not a swimming pool. And if two people agreed, then it was like valid. Oh. And if not, and so on and so on. And in the end, we had nice. then, we settled down to 43 and something thousand swimming pools in the LA basin. So we did not the entire LA county, but like, yeah, the entire of LA of the LA basin. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so question answered. It's amazing. <laughs> yeah, question answered. But but then of course the next thing was now we have this this crazy data set and also this 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 super interesting process uh, which touches so many things. How can you kind of make that tangible and how can you yeah how can you tell that story and yeah so. So we, we, we try to kind of visualize it uh, or kind of to make that tangible in, in many ways. Uh, I mean, one thing which we did is then, uh, yeah, first what we did is then to kind of uh, enhance the data set with additional things. 
so for instance, as we had the vectors of the pools, we could uh, calculate the water, evapora water evaporation, or we could calculate uh, the address, or like, or I mean, in America, it's in general amazing what kind of data is available. We could calculate uh, how much the property is, or how much the property, or how much the parcel is worth in a uh, worth which the, which the swimming pool sit on, or the zoning code, like uh, lots of stuff. Even like we managed to uh, crawl a database with with sex offenders or like with crazy stuff, basically. So, <laughs> and then we had like a really a massive data set with with a lot of interesting data points. And then we we did a few things. So one was like this big atlas of LA pools, which is a which is like a series of books with with 74 books and seven and six thousand pages and you have like for every neighborhood like uh, whatever hollywood or santa monica an individual book and and you have the image and you have like all that all the related data and it's then it's then organized by addresses and so on and so on it's basically a gigantic look up book of all the swimming pools in 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 la <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, yeah Oh. Is the book available somewhere? No, it's not available. I mean, I, I mean, I, I mean, we never. It's a one-off, right? Yeah. It's a one-off. It's. I mean, it, it was quite <laughs> in a lot of exhibitions, um, and that was quite su successful because um, that way the data set is is really tangible. So, like at the beginning, yeah. normally the initial reaction yeah. is like, "Oh, this is funny," you know, these guys are like crazy and 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 so on but then the more the people kind of engage with with the books or or the data set the more scary it becomes for them like you know then questions pop up normally like hey how can a two-man army two design or like a designer mm -hmm. and a ge geographer can how can they do that i mean this is you know then all this data privacy issues and so on yeah pop up. Then you look into all the backyards basically right that's yeah, what yeah. you do and so yeah 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 it's 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 quite, I mean, the, the reactions were quite good. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. Yeah, you had a lot of press and uh, yeah. uh, I think, and it's so funny. And I mean, it's, so one question I also get a lot for the Selfie City project was, that's all very impressive, but why do you spend so much time on such a stupid topic? Like, how can you, how can you motivate <laughs> yourself, you know, for, to spend so much time on such a topic? Like, do you get that too? And, and how do you usually, usually answer that? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> yes, we get that question, but um, I mean, I'm I'm actually more surprised by by that people can find different kind of use cases in it. So, like, mm -hmm. you know, we got of course then a lot of press, um, and then and then whatever people from the from the pool industry approached us. Yeah, okay. I mean, this is this is kind of obvious, but but then again, oh, like yeah, people, yeah. for instance, the LA County Chief Data Officer approached us and asked us, "Hey, can we have the data set for fire brigades?" Which is also mm -hmm. like an obvious one. But then, like other other people approached us, "Hey, can we?" But that's we... good thinking already. It's like yeah. I mean, I was quite surprised. Like, hey, that's water. That's good. <laughs> you know. Yeah. yeah, but but I mean, I was quite intrigued that that. That it's it's kind of an it's 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 framed more or less as an art project and and it's more like a gallery piece. But then still, people kind of, I mean, they find it funny and and creepy. But then often they still find a use case in it uh, for them. Kind of they they kind of manage to do a transfer for mm -hmm. for that project into their realm, which is mm -hmm. which I find it quite amazing. Yeah, 
That's interesting. It's like you you have this big network of mess of interconnected things and you just pull it out at one end, but all the other things, you know, you drag along like the the social questions, the data questions, as you say, the labor and social um, inequality and injustice questions, you know, like you can pick any topic and all these big questions are suddenly attached to it. And it doesn't matter that you start with such such a seemingly mundane topic, right? Yeah. It's yeah. such a silly question, yeah. I mean, yeah. I think it provides quite a lot of touch points and also raises a, a few questions, but of course it doesn't answer really questions. Not really. <laughs> yeah, this one questions like uh, how many pools are there in Illinois? Uh, yeah. Okay, take <laughs> Final, yeah, that. Finally answered. Yeah. <laughs> that one, yeah. <laughs> that one for sure. <laughs> so in case anybody was wondering except you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you now also, yeah, but I, uh, you have a question, uh, Enrico? Yeah. No, I was just saying that I think it's important to have these kind of projects. Not everything necessarily has to start with a the purpose, right? With a strong purpose. Right. I mm. think curiosity is a big driver. <laughs> so yeah, that, that's I, ideal. I, I, I absolutely agree. It's, it's ideal, yeah. yeah, yeah. 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 So. <laughs> data Stories is supported by Tableau software, helping people see and understand their data. Tableau lets people connect to any kind of data and visualize it on the fly. Databases, spreadsheets, and even big data sources are easily combined into interactive visualizations, reports, and dashboards. Hey, Moritz. Hey. So, did you give a look to Tableau 9? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, the new version is out, um, and they added a few really nice features. Data import got a bit better, and uh, the whole startup experience is much nicer. Uh, They added in contextual menus for quickly doing aggregations and analytics. So if you want to add a trend line or an average or um, some some percentiles in your data, you can yeah. now do that on the fly. Uh, maps got better, so you have more zoom levels. It's, you know, it's a really nice uh, haul over uh, for the whole already working quite well in Tableau software. <laughs> yeah. And so uh, I, I can definitely recommend to to try it out. And for your free trial, you can visit Tableau software at T-A-B-L-E-A-U dot com slash data stories. And now back to the show. And now you have another um, um, satellite imagery project. So we can briefly yeah. talk about that. <laughs> that's a fun one. It's not strictly data visualization, that's a fun but one. I, I, I like the perspective. So it's called. It depends how you define it, right? Yeah, that's true. And we could, like, yeah. you could think about a mod towards like charts. Mm, yeah. <laughs> so it's called Aerial Bold, and it's about um, finding letters from space, more or less, <laughs> right? Basically. Yeah. Yeah, I think uh, then uh, Joey. Yeah, again, it's a it's a collaboration with with Joey Lee. Mm. Yeah, I think uh, while we were doing like the big Atlas of LA pools, we spent a lot of time in front of our computer staring on satellite imagery. And and at some point, we maybe, we probably developed an obsession with satellite imagery. Not sure whether it's a healthy <laughs> or an unhealthy one. But uh, basically, at some point, we realized that a lot of stuff um, in the satellite imagery um, you, is, is, is also maybe... You could also say that this is that this is maybe a letter or or something else, so that it is kind of a so that there's sometimes a, a great ambiguity between between you know it's a building, but also it looks like an A or there's an island, uh, a tropical island, but it looks also like a heart. And uh, we 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 thought you know this is this is interesting and and maybe we should do a project around that. I mean, 
basically again kind of a silly question uh this one this time this time not really uh how many swimming pools but more like hey can you find with some kind of computer magic uh and uh, with a clever way like all the all features in satellite imagery shaped like a letter form mm-hmm. and and then we decided to to do a kickstart on it uh, mainly to to share the process and kind of to to engage already from the beginning with 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 an audience uh, mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. the the big atlas of mm-hmm. pool project um doesn't communicate well i think the process behind it so i think the project yeah. works quite nice if i do a presentation before it or if we do a presentation but not really that i mean not so good in a way if it's just in the gallery and you and you kind of stumble across the the books mm-hmm. and kind of the the aerial bowl project is an attempt to to showcase that process and kind of to share that process with the, with with the people so i mean we raised the money and 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 actually it took us quite a while to 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 create uh to create to create a Kickstarter video for it because the project <laughs> is kind of unpitchable. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's a bit hard um, to explain in the beginning. It's like, yeah, definitely. Yeah, imagine making this typeface made for buildings. It's like, uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, and then and then um, yeah, and then currently we are just working on it, and 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 a lot of it is 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 really like to in to engage with 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 other people. So. For instance, the the sourcing of of all the training data um, is 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 done with the with a with a with a crowdsourcing tool where we ask our our backers or, or other other internet folks or, or friends kind of to help us and and we we you know it's kind of a gamification thing so we you can you have like a nice uh, a nice interface for it and then you can kind of start to to find those letters and. Um, and then there's a high score list and then you get credits for it <laughs> and <laughs> of, I mean all the details like how can you define the, the study areas so mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. I mean the world is quite big and you don't want to send people to the to the Sahara desert right, which right. where obviously no letters are around yeah, so yeah. It took us quite a while to find there like a methodology which is based on population density and so on and so on or it's quite hard as well uh, to to write that classifier because uh, you know you you need like training data, but then you need also a classifier which then crunches all that satellite imagery and detects all the letter forms. And so we are collaborating on that end with uh, Hochschule uh, in uh, Ravensburg Weingarten and uh, Ankita is like um, doing a master, is doing her master thesis on that classifier. And so, mm-hmm. so in in a way, I think it's 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 really like the project engage with a lot of people and with, with a lot of different domains and uh, and again we are really hoping to kind of showcase and then maybe document then uh, once we have the classifier and the data set uh, that, that that process in, in a much better way mm-hmm. and will it become so do I understand? Sort of a typing oh. tool so will, or like a, can you do like a typeface yeah. with it basically i mean end, yes end result i mean one end result could be definitely a typeface but i think for me the end the end result is really like this large scale data set and we mm-hmm. are also aiming to open source it afterwards uh, and hopefully people have then i mean it's really beautiful i mean we already did a catalog like internally for us kind of to create a bit the training data and sure. it's i mean there are really a lot of of beautiful moments where you have like whatever 
uh, a stadium with a running track and suddenly looking like a Q or P mm-hmm. uh, and so on. It's, nice. it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's quite intriguing, actually. And, and, and a lot of people are like, we, we have been approached by a, a big publisher in the States asking us to do uh, kind of a kit ABC book on it. So that's yeah, probably a project. Nice idea. Yeah. And so there, I think there are quite a, quite a few, yeah. quite a few outcomes. Uh, I mean, it's quite open at the moment, but, um, yeah, once we so have again, the data first set. you collect the data and you, you know, just immerse yourself in, in this thing and then you see what to do with it. Right. Yeah. I mean, in, in so a way, I, I, like I think, I think it's the difference in a way is maybe that we, re- that we create our own data set and then kind of visualize right, it. Right. I think, I mean, it, it's now all the common, but I think still a lot of people from the, from the field are kind of more the people who kind of found, find a data set and find it interesting. And then they visualize it, right. which is, per, which is per, perfectly fine. You know, mm-hmm. nothing, nothing against that and super. And I think we were just like kind of interested in then kind of, how can you create a unique or really interesting data set on your own? Yeah. And also as an, as a non machine learning person, for instance, yeah, how, yeah, how yeah. can you do that in a, in a, in a collaborative way or in a, right. with crowdsourcing or with, with, with collaborations? Yeah. Yeah. I mean that, that's the full safari. It's like the full expedition instead of getting yeah. the ship banana from <laughs> South America, you go to South America, you know? <laughs> <laughs> harvest the banana yeah. fly back home then eat it <laughs> so yeah, in, in a way <laughs> maybe it's, it's more like um, it's maybe not so much like data vis- visualization yeah. in a sense of kind of making something readable or better understandable mm. it's maybe more like wildlife photography exactly maybe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. wildlife data yeah. yeah so Benedict what is the Hardest letter to find. <laughs> the hardest letter. Or the hardest letters. Yeah. Actually, there is. Uh, I'm sure they are not equally distributed. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, but always, you said always is is easy to find. O so and I, I tra- is probably. Yeah, so there is a. O and I is probably straightforward. So there is a website, a letterhunt.arial.arial.arial-bold.com, and of course we have a distribution chart. Ah, you sure? So. Yeah. Oh, uh, amazing. <laughs> so. Uh, it's, I mean, the heart, of course, is quite hard to find, uh, but uh, the like small set and uppercase N. Mm-hmm. And the most common one... Uppercase N. Yeah, okay. the most common one is L. Ah, see. L, yeah. Yeah. So really? Yeah, the, the, the difference is huge. So, for instance, we have, at the moment, we have 902 Ls, like uppercase L, wow. and uh-huh. uh, we have... Just twenty nine small sets, oh, for instance. Yeah. So it's really a long oh, tail distribution. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like and C, it's a totally e. different one than the one in language, right? So it's not the E's and the R's and so on, but it's just more ge- geometry based, obviously. Yeah. Very interesting. Yeah. So you're doing both uppercase and lowercase. Yeah, uppercase, lowercase, and a few, like I mean, the most symbols. The most, yeah, like whatever, up, like question mark, explanation uh, mark, yeah. and. Uh, do you do emoji as well? Uh, n- nothing, <laughs> not, nothing, nothing besides the the heart. Yeah. <laughs> That's good. That's a good motto. <laughs> so, um, Benedict, I wanted to, um, I want to sure I understand exactly what you did. So, you've been first creating 
um, a training set manually by crowdsourcing the data. Is that correct? Yes. And then you've been building a classifier using this training data? Yes, exactly. Okay. So, and But you also build a small app for to outsource uh, to use Amazon Mechanical Turk to find the initial training set? I mean, um, so everything at the moment uh, at Aerial Bold is really based on on people who are contributing uh, on a volunteer basis. So it's it's not Amazon Mechanical Turk. It's really like the oh, end, okay. the end I thought it was Amazon Mechanical. Yeah, and, uh, and Amazon yeah. Mechanical Turk was for uh, for the big Atlas of Atlas pools. But basically, we did a campaign. So we did just like the Kickstarter campaign, and then we did another campaign. Um, Letterhand uh, was the name, okay, also yeah, with yeah, some yeah. support, um, some mm. nice press, uh, and then uh, yeah, people picked it really up and really got. I think it's also a bit addict. I think it makes you a bit addictive. Yeah, it's kind of addictive. The the task, you know, you yeah. kind of to yeah, scroll yeah. around in in satellite imagery, and I think it's just like super great for procrastination at work. Yeah, and I think. <laughs> <laughs> And that, uh, that in addition with a with a high score table, just Perfect. seems to do yeah. to do the trick. And uh, we we got really a lot of contributions. I think uh, we have at yeah. the moment like over ten thousand found letters, and it's not so easy actually to find those kind of letters in in satellite imagery. Mm. And is that and like tool a, is still a bookmarklet or like a, a, how would you, how could you contribute in an easy way? Uh, yeah. yeah, just go to uh, to that website, a letterhunt dot dash bold dot com, and uh, then you can just go letter hunting, and you just open up. It open ups then, um, yeah, like this micro task um, app okay. where you have where you have a study area, uh, like a random pick study area based on our our population density uh, research, and then you have tools to kind of um kind of um kind of mark those letter forms and um yeah and then nice. you can uh, yeah and then you 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 basically kind of create then a bounding box and you rotate it and you you adjust the size uh and yeah, yeah, yeah. and then you tag basically that that location and then we have quite a quite a sophisticated or complicated workflow which kind of uh derives then kind of normalizes then this data and uh, and then we are using that data for the classifier. Nice. Yeah. Now I want a tool where I can drop in a couple of numbers and it will find me a chart. <laughs> 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 Here's a bar chart for these five numbers you just pasted in. And it's <laughs> from the next small one. <laughs> town in, in the middle of the United States. Yeah. I mean that's a cool thing actually we you know we had with this 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 these data points they I mean they have uh, yeah, we know what is an L or a set, but we know, also know because we we want to kind of cross uh, we want to kind of cross enhance it with OpenStreetMap. We probably will also know whether it's a building, whether it's a lake, whether it's a forest, sure, and sure. also the country, the city, right, the right. address, and so on. And we are just hoping that this creates then kind of also an interesting data set for 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 projects or for others. Yeah. yeah, I can see a lot of like remixes and collages, you know, just mm. taking the S's and the M's or something and create new stuff with it. And I, I can totally see that. Mm. Nice. And, 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 yeah. and, and again, I mean, it's kind of creepy as well. I mean, you know, you don't have to be the NSA <laughs> to be able to do that. I mean, yeah. it's, yeah. it's, yeah, it's interesting. 
um, and creepy, in my opinion. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the NSA could do the full Unicode, um, a letter set probably, but... <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's still, it's they could uh, do probably a lot more. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, and then there's uh, a last project we could discuss. Mm -hmm. It's called Population.io. Mm -hmm. And we'll be debating a bit, like, how much do we talk about it? Because it's really cool. But then you're also still, like, in the in the last stages of actually finishing it up. But I think we can talk about it. As okay. Long, as long as people don't all <laughs> don't go, go on the side don't, don't at the same time. <laughs> don't go to it now. Give it a day or two. <laughs> yeah. Depending on when you listen, of course. Yeah. <laughs> so what is it about? I think in a way it's uh, it's 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 more like a, a classical uh, database project. So um, um, a year ago, uh, Wolfgang Fengler from World Bank um, and uh, Casey Samir uh, from IASIS um, in Vienna um, approached me and, and were saying, you know, we have this really nice asset. So we have oh, we have like a global data set for population and also with predictions and with the history and 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 so on and also quite quite a sophisticated math to to interpolate um like missing missing parts and you know for every country and 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 everything yeah and then we did several workshops uh and uh, and then decided you know okay we want to want to have basically two leads uh, one is we want to kind of showcase the data set and make it accessible to a wide audience so that you know people can engage with it uh, and the other thing is that we we want to make it accessible for you know for in, other institutions or for other for other data science persons or whoever is interested in, in population data and and then we build an, an api for it and it, it's quite nice i think it's probably the first time that you have this kind of detailed data set uh, so nicely accessible with 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 a lot of data a lot of endpoints right yeah and yeah and then we did did, did we did the website population io and and got quite a, a lot of nice responses um you know a ted talk on it as well and and and, and quite a few things um yeah and um and basically the website is just like you you have like you can enter your 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 country your your date of birth and and your gender and so on and then you get you get like um uh, we get several pages of of several kind of data visualizations which which try to to yeah to make that topic and why it's interesting and why we are living in in such an interesting time in in regards of um of population data just kind of to make that tangible and hopefully bring the, the 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 point across i mean it's 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 really intriguing because i mean at the moment we are i think we are really we are really living in a unique time of of human history because all those big shifts in 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 population they are happening in a relatively short period of time which is which is now yeah. so yeah so, <laughs> so yeah you know between 1900 actually, yeah. between yeah between 1900 between 1950 and 2050, um, the population will grow from two and a half million to nine and a half billion. Right, so, like right. in our in our life, like all those big challenges, yeah, will be. Or yeah, have yeah to be and you have all these different speeds also of development. You know, like yeah. decreasing population, older populations in the uh, traditional first world and all the other countries catching up and so uh, absolutely yeah and i think it's interesting because you centered the project around 
the user themselves like mm. so the central question is what's my place in the world population and how long will i live so mm -hmm. we start of, of course with the individual and then sort of tie all the statistics you present to to you as a user which is i think a very nice way of approaching this topic and many others would go like yeah here's the big picture <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> these are the big trends And this one works actually the other way around, like expanding from a single person to the the bigger context. Maybe that's the next phase. Then. <laughs> yeah, yeah, could be. Yeah, yeah. So it looks I'm older than 64% of the world's population, and older than 41% of all people in Italy. <laughs> yeah, that's actually quite interesting because that means even yeah. even even as a <laughs> yeah. as somebody who is who is quite young. Um, uh, in 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 a country in Europe, um, you are already at the old half in regards of the world population. Right. So, for instance, yeah. for me coming from Germany, pretty scary. Yeah, it's pretty scary for me coming from Germany. <laughs> I'm I'm young in by by German standards, but quite old yeah. by the world population. Yeah, in the world. So, yeah, that's very interesting. Yeah, yeah, the gap between the two. Yeah, yeah. it's it's super interesting. Yeah. I think we all belong to these aging, terribly aging countries. Right? Yeah. <laughs> that's what we do. <laughs> yeah. And the opposite trend is actually happening in other countries. So that's very interesting. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's a population and, and demographics is a really fascinating topic. There has also been a great um, article on Quartz by David Bauer. I don't know if you had seen that. Um, and it looks about um, a country breakdown of demographics and then also gender differences. And there's so many individual stories, or you can tie a lot of so many events and stories and general big trends on this these demographic data. So it sounds a bit boring in the beginning, but again, the more you deep in, dig in, the 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 more you see. Oh wow, the whole world development depends. On, you know, is sort of tied to that. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Also, nice feature you can download an iCal event with the uh, your date of death. So <laughs> just in case you want to be reminded, maybe like a week before. Don't waste. Yeah, like, <laughs> don't waste your life. <laughs> Remind me five minutes before or something. <laughs> <laughs> so that's a good yeah, feature. Uh, I mean, it's kind of, I mean, we had quite a lot of discussions actually, you know, whether we should approach it with this kind of cynical or kind of with, with humor basically, yeah. um, and whether all people will get it. But so far, ex actually, the reactions were quite, quite good. No, people didn't yeah, freak yeah. out or didn't kind of sue us. <laughs> oh, uh, yeah, not at all. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Look at it's that! It's five years, days later, and I'm still alive. One, one, one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I spent yeah. all my money. <laughs> Now I'm ruined. <laughs> it's interesting because you have this piece. Uh, maybe you can tell us more about it. So that's very interesting. You have what are the big milestones to expect in your life, mm -hmm. which I really like. And then you say your next milestone. So, for instance, for my data. Your next milestone is 2nd December 2017. Then you'll be the fifth billion person to be alive in the world. Mm -hmm. <laughs> That's really interesting. How do you calculate that? <laughs> That's a good question. <laughs> a tough one. And I think I'm actually the wrong one to answer that. Um, mm -hmm. It's... Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I can't tell you the math behind it. Um, yeah. uh, I would have to reach out to Samia. But, but maybe I can... I mean, maybe I can explain why why we find that interesting. I mean, the idea basically is that maybe, may or maybe that it maybe is also interesting to 
to have kind of a, a relative birthday and a relative birthday would be then kind of your position within the world population mm -hmm. and uh, yeah. we, we 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 thought you know this could be kind of a nice i mean not so much like the number in a way kind of the the hard number i mean yeah fifth fifth billion person it's kind of kind of nice but uh, kind of i find the idea intriguing that that we are all kind of just a long queue of people on the world basically yeah. and that yeah, and yeah, that yeah. you know people are kind of coming in and the end people are dying but but then kind of where are you mm -hmm. in that kind of long that's queue billion, of people uh, yeah queue. and yeah that's, yeah, that's very interesting yeah. you have these charts with the age distribution and you can really see whether you are tipping off or not mm. right yeah, yeah. that's really really interesting also I, I i'm in it. germany and i'm sort of in this bump so there's two peaks next to me <laughs> yeah, yeah I and now i start to well. wonder like yeah baby boomers <laughs> but what's the right one you know so mm. you start mm -hmm. to think about uh yeah where that comes from yeah i mean we have a lot of ideas to to push that further but i mean uh as I already mentioned we have a lot of problems uh, like technical wise to to really scale that up and to to find to find the right people. I mean, the the project is based on a lot of volunteer work of a lot of contributors, and it's it's really hard to find people who, you know, who 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 can kind of who can kind of speak then the 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 other domain language. So you know that uh, whatever somebody who is really good with math, but then also who is kind of open with the design side of things and then yeah, who can also yeah, write then production code which scales well and so on mm -hmm, it's it's mm -hmm. it's kind of the, the it's more in a way uh, it's kind of a shame but i would say it's a logistics project it's not yeah. so much like yeah. actually a, a, a kind of a design project it's mm -hmm. i feel often more like as a yeah, as yeah, a logistics yeah, yeah, yeah. expert uh, after after a while yeah yeah yeah, yeah, I mean, that's the yeah. thing. But so you decided to take this huge data set and make it personal and sort of have everybody have their own perspective on it. But then you have to calculate all these perspectives. <laughs> it's, yeah. like, yeah. it's like, whoops. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And sometimes it's straightforward so, or sometimes it's just a simple filtering or yeah, average over a couple of things. But the way you do it, it's like a, it's a whole um, statistics atlas for every person, you know. And so, yeah, and then yeah, yeah, then yeah, you yeah, have yeah. to, yeah, as you say, you have to think about how to how to scale that from a prototype to something that can withstand a Bill Gates tweet, as exactly. you had, as yes. you had recently. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, I mean, we had that like like last week, and it just toasted our servers. I mean, it was just. <laughs> Yeah, it was. I said it already. It was like a denial of service attack. I mean, it was. It it was just crazy. But we are working on that, and uh, I think I'm quite optimistic that we will have that solved soon. We already have like a working backend, which is a lot better. Ah, yeah, and um, it's open source, so mm -hmm. uh, everything is open source. Mm -hmm. It's on GitHub. Um, I guess other people might find that useful. So if you run a different planet oh, than absolutely. Earth, you can just yeah. you know yeah. fork it. Yeah, you can focus <laughs> from Mars. Yeah, <laughs> what's my place so? What in the kind? Mars of, how does the original data look like? Uh, it's so uh, it, it's a combination of uh, data from the World Bank and also from uh, from a UN survey, and uh, and then uh, Samir enhanced it with I think with some kind of local data from 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 country or from country reports, and then uh, came up with a nice methodology of kind of how can you interpolate and how can you kind of stitch all that data together so that it makes sense and and then he kind of validated it and and so on so do yeah. you have this this part available on github as well 
I think most of it is uh, should be available on GitHub as well, or uh, at least the nice. the links. I guess on GitHub is probably more like the derived uh, data sources mm -hmm. which we are using. But um, in the um, I, uh, I think it has like API or about or developer, and there are all the links of mm -hmm. um, where you find the, the source data sets. Yeah, and there's the API so looks really nice too. So there's a full yeah. REST API for world population mm -hmm. ranks, life expectancies, yeah. population tables, mortality distributions. So that looks good. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a good API. I yeah, mean, that's nice. nice, and there can be a nice outcome of such yeah. a complex project too. Is that yeah, you don't just present the end result in shiny charts, but actually give some infrastructure to to do something interesting. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, we're actually quite keen on that end as well. That I mean, so far, I guess nobody, or as far as I know, nobody has used kind of the the, the API for an interesting project. But you know, we would be really, we are really keen to explore that. Uh, yeah, yeah. To you know, what could other people come up with with that API? Cool. Yeah, maybe you need to do some hackathon, contests, uh, workshop type thing uh, with a few talented students or something. Yeah, could work. Definitely. Cool, good stuff. So so much, and we haven't even talked about all the projects we had on our list. So you also <laughs> experimented with printing landscape, like a really large scale um, uh, project uh, where you worked with uh, basically farming, yeah. modern farming yeah, yeah. gear. Yeah. So that's that's we'll we'll link to that. Yeah, it's a yeah. good one. It's a good one, and. Yeah, super interesting. I, I I'm really intrigued. I, I'm also interested in in how our listeners perceive this this whole field. I don't think we talked that much about um, experimental uh, work with data and data art. So um, give us your feedback on that. Yeah. And and mm -hmm. I'm always super intrigued by this, and I always think about like um, what that means for data visualization and how we work with data in general. So mm. it's really cool. Yeah, and I really like this mix of image processing and visualization that you have. I think as a it's a very interesting trend. I think this is true also for selfie city Moritz, right? Mm. And um and Lev Manovich does a lot of that. Yeah, well. yeah. And and the general so, idea of using I call these like a mixed mode projects where you use your own methodology to bootstrap something, you know, like you yeah. use data visualization or you use machine learning to bootstrap basically a data set and then visualize it again and then give it to people and then people do something with it and you visualize the results again. So it's these sort of in inquiries into something that, that use your own methodology right from the start. And, um, yeah, I really like that. And, and, and these projects are sometimes a bit difficult, like what they're actually about. It's like Selfie City. I can never explain. Is it about Instagram? Is it about selfies? Is it about surveillance? Is it about um, pop culture? You know, who knows? It's like, it's about everything. You can't separate it anymore. Mm -hmm. And and that makes it from a science point of view a bit hard then to generalize the results. But at the same time, you get this super rich picture yeah, at the end. Yeah. And I guess a lot of feedback as well. I mean, for yeah. me, for me, the in most interesting bit with those projects is, is often that that you can engage with a wider audience, also outside of the usual. In in my case, the usual art and design realm. You know, I mean, nothing nothing right. wrong with that. But yeah. but I think it's it's really really interesting if kind of normal or like everyday people <laughs> kind of en encounter those kind of projects. Yeah. Like, yeah. Because the reactions are quite different from 
uh, from people within the field. And I, yeah. I find it yeah. qu- quite valuable. And um, yeah, I think that's a And that's again, a like yeah, Co- and collecting and crafting oh. your own data and doing all the measurements yourself, I think that's so valuable because then you understand suddenly how flaky all yeah, the other data sets must yeah. be that you have been working yeah. with in the past. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And how much you yeah, blindly yeah, trusted yeah. them. Uh, it's a bit like this effect. Yeah. I don't know, there's even a name for it. If you read... A newspaper article on a topic you know well, and you realize the journalist totally got it wrong. Mm-hmm. And then this next yeah. second, you think like, oh, it has to be like this with all the articles I've read <laughs> yeah. in the past. That's horrible. <laughs> <laughs> it's, like, <laughs> it's insane. <laughs> so it's maybe the same yeah, effect yeah, with yeah. data sets. <laughs> mm, yeah. True. And I, I cut you no, off there. I was just saying, it's interesting what you're saying about engaging people on the web and... Uh, you said rather than doing the usual art or design thing and and actually doing things only for this community. And I have to say that in a way it's very similar to me when we talk about the academic community, mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. is a community that historically has been probably developing ideas and uh, methods and even software, but just for, for the community itself, for this small community. And I think these things are changing there as well. I think this is a trend that you can see everywhere. Yeah. The idea that people want to reach out to a much larger um, set of people or to, to the population at large. And this is happening in so many different areas. And uh, I think it's a big trend. Yeah. I mean, uh, it, it might actually say, sound... Um, obvious, but the web is really powerful. I mean, it sounds obvious, but I, I think in practice it's not obvious at all. Yeah. Mm. Because why don't, so if you're working on something, why not trying to, I don't know, walk the extra mile mm-hmm. and make it available so that people can can see it or use it. And not just the end results, but so, also the process, as, as you said. And say, not just the, the end result, yeah. the process as well. Yeah. Yes, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Because often people think like, first they have to sweat it and finish it then put it out. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But but that's that's a whole different area like how to do these participatory projects and what the constraints are and for what it's good yeah, and for what it doesn't work so well that, that's super interesting too. Yeah. yeah, but people people love to 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 engage and participate to these kind of projects. And uh, I think Benedict you said that there are lots you you were surprised to see how many people are interested and are willing to help, right? Mm. So I think that's a very interesting model. I think the idea that we can engage people, not just as passive readers, but also as contributors, that's a very, very interesting idea. And I don't see it fully, um, I don't know, developed or I don't know. I don't see many, many examples like that out there. There is one thing that there is one project that maybe you guys know that has been very, very successful along these lines that is called Foldit. I don't know if you know it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, you know Foldit, Moritz? Nope. Very interesting. So this is um, a guy, I think, from the University of Washington who developed um, a game on the web on folding um, proteins and molecules. Nice. And actually you're... So it, it, it looks like a game. It is a game, but in reality, you are trying to find uh, new, um, I, I think, new proteins or right, new arrangements right. or something mm-hmm. like that. Now, I don't, I don't remember yeah, the yeah, details. Yeah. But you, what happens is that the outcome is that through uh, crowdsourcing, this, using this crowdsourcing kind of game, they have 
they managed to find new molecular structures, sure. mm. right? Yeah. So there is an impact on science. And and this is big. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I think this th there is this whole idea that people like to participate when they see that they have a role in the process, yeah. right? And I think this is true for your project as well, Benedict, that people like to feel like... I, my, my guess is that people participate because... Maybe there is one letter that you're gonna put in the final in the final database that mm. come from from it's me, nice right? Yeah, it's, a nice it's a nice feeling. It's a very nice feeling, and um, yeah, I think there is some untapped opportunities there. Mm. Yeah, I agree fully. Yeah, it'll be exciting to see what comes out of all this. And yeah, as you say, inter crossed. internet is sort of interesting too. Yeah. <laughs> cool. <laughs> okay, dog. Thanks so much, Benedict. That was super fascinating. Many thanks as well. Thanks, Benedict. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you. Super. Bye. Take care. Bye-bye. Data Stories is supported by Tableau Software, helping people see and understand their data. Get answers from interactive dashboards wherever you go. For your free trial, visit Tableau Software at tableau.com slash data stories. This is T-A-B-L-E-A-U dot com slash data stories.